Well, who wants to sing of the goodness of God this morning? Amen. <laughs> Tom. Yes, that's what I want. Microphone. I don't know how loud are you. We're going to make her run. Um, this week, I was overworking in a place, putting in cabinets. heard people rattle on here before, so you can put up with me for a while, too. Um, anyway, this guy that I work for, Daryl, well, he's a contractor, Daryl Isaac. He said, it was my birthday last Tuesday or something, that's when I was working over there, and he said to me, he said, Tom, what's the best, what's the best part of your years of your life? And I couldn't come up with an answer. I couldn't come up with an answer, and then I got to thinking about that. It seemed really weird. It seemed really weird that I couldn't come up with an answer why or what time. But I knew it was a later date. And woke up at 3 in the morning and I couldn't it come to me. It was like. That's when I was saved. Amen. I think I was 31 years old or somewhere right in there, 32. But I was thinking, oh, it's about five years after I got married. And everything changed to my perspective. I remember asking God, I said, hey, if you're real, if you're real, I said, you want to make me a Jesus freak, go ahead and do it. But you got to be real to do that. And he did, because my brother was a Jesus freak, from my perspective. And yes. uh, anyway, uh, he did. He made me a Jesus freak, which I am a Jesus freak. Amen. Hey, Jesus, Jesus saves people. Amen. Amen. Yes. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about all the things in my life that changed at that time. And one of them, you know, I've got a son who's born out of wedlock. I call that BC before Christ, you know. Uh, I, there's mistakes I made, decisions I made that you pay for later on. Uh, but that's better because I have Christ now. But I think about Val and I, I don't think we'd be married right now. I think I'd be divorced if it wasn't for God still being in our lives. I have to say I had a stronger faith 10 years ago than I do now, but it's it's coming back, but but I did. I had a stronger faith 10 years ago than I do now. Um, some of the things that changed is, is, well, first off, I would have never, I don't believe I would ever went on a mission field. I like security, and mission field's not a secure place. <laughs> and we did, I did that three times, you know. We took off, and, and so that, I think I think I become more fear, less fearful less fearful, and, and of course, if you, I, the way I look at it is if I'm going with God, it's going to work out okay. Uh, same thing, I think I'd still be working at Bennett's Lumber. I worked there 21 years, and I'd just be there working at Bennett's and whining and complaining, you know, but it's secure. Yeah. But at the time when I decided I turned 40, I just said, God, if I'm going to make a change, i got to do it now. 
you know, and I think he was with me, and I decided to do it. I don't think I'd have done that without God in my life because I just went, hey, this is, this is secure, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so he has made me bolder. Some things I wish he made me a lot, would make me a lot bolder at. Uh, but he did make me bolder on what I do because, well, if you're with God, it's going to turn out okay. And anyway, I'm just saying, Jesus does save people. I mean, you may not, I don't know who's not a believer here, but if you're thinking you have nothing to be saved from, you do. You do. There's something to be saved from. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the start. I, I, when I was saved, I already had a faith in God that there was a God, that there was a God, and there was a heaven and a hell. Now, I didn't want to go to hell. First, it was like, God, I'll do little things to appease you, but, but I don't want to go to hell. That's the only reason. That's it's changed because it's, now I have a actually a relationship with him, and Amen. that changed things. Amen. Amen. So I just thought I'd give that. I didn't want to. There, there was an opportunity to talk to Darrell, and I did the, the next couple of days. I said, Darrell, you asked me about what the best years of my life were, and I couldn't come up with an answer, and then the obvious come to me in the middle of the night. Hey, it's when I got saved, 31, about 30 years ago. You know, when you go, yep, that's what happens to you when you get saved. It's your perspective <laughs> and everything changes on life. Amen. And, you know. Amen. Anyway, so I just thought I'd give that in case it's encouragement or something. Amen. I'm not sure, but I think we have a young lady here in the front row here that maybe experienced that this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Roger, go ahead. Just hang on. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, so it, kind of in keeping with that is, my family is, you know, when I grew up, we were not raised as Christians. I mean, went to church until I was like 11, and then my mom said, do you guys want to stay home and have pancakes or go to church? And pancakes was the obvious choice for us. So um, um, not because we didn't believe in God, but because we were big eaters. And um, <laughs> my parents would rather pay me than feed me. Um, but my brother called me a couple days ago, and he's been, you know, the fact that I became a believer in my family has kind of been a funny thing. It's kind of a, I don't know, almost like uh, a joke because of the way I live my life. And so some of them believe that I am, and some of them are still skeptical to this day because they're not believers. But my brother is not a believer. and um, But through all of the stuff that's been going on, he is politically involved. And he it has shaken him to his core. And... Um, he actually went to church last week and shared that with me, that he and his wife went to church, uh, mostly because they didn't agree with what was happening to that church, but that it was a really good experience and that they were going to continue going. So we just got to keep it in our prayers. And, you know, God works in some, gr- some you know, it, well, it's always God's timing and the way God does it. It doesn't have to make sense to us, but I'm really grateful to him for taking my son or my, my brother and, uh, and helping him in that direction and hopefully um, changing his heart. So, Amen. Praise God. Any else? Anybody else want to sing? <laughs> so, um, yesterday, Nate and I kind of got into a little tiff, and usually my MO is I would be quiet for a while because I'm mad, and I don't want to be next to people I'm mad at, and so I go, you know, stew, and 
I'm sure nobody else does that, but so trying to deal with it differently, right? And so I go out for a walk, and I go, and I pray, and, and I'm forgiving myself, and I'm forgiving him, and, and just praying through it, and I came back, and I'm not an apologizer, because usually I'm right. So, <laughs> but this time I was, I was a little bit wrong, and so I came back in, and I apologized to Nate, and I said, you know, I think this is what it was, and, and I'm sorry for that, and, it, and that was it. And Tanner started clapping. And two things, two things crossed my mind is one, it's embarrassing when you're, when you don't do something often enough that your kids are like, wow, that was amazing. Like that was a miracle that mom just apologized. <laughs> that was one. But two is that they're watching us and yeah. our, and our coworkers are watching us. Our community is watching us. Our church is watching us. So when you have a victory, people are watching that and just be encouraged by that. Even if you feel like you're trying to do all the right things and, and, and you're not seeing anything, it's, it's affecting people. Amen. Just want to remind you of the scripture, every man's or woman's ways are right in their own eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to just share a little something with you before I get into the word, and I'm going to give you opportunity if anybody else has a testimony, but... Uh, I don't know how many of you know this. I've spoken about it to a number of people, but I have gotten hooked on a series called The Chosen. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I would suggest that you do. It's just a wonderful, well-written, life of Christ documentary type thing. But, but anyway, in there, there's a, one scene where Jesus is walking by the booth of Matthew, the tax collector, and he calls him out. And he's, as he calls him out, Peter runs over to Jesus and goes, what are you doing? You know, are, are you out of your mind in a sense? And, and Jesus goes, why? And he said, well, you know, he's different than us. And he goes, you know, I kind of remember when you were different too. And he, and he says to Peter, get used to different. I think we better get used to different. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. Uh, I was visiting with a member of our congregation the other day, and they were talking about how that, you know, at times in service, they felt like Lord was speaking to them, do things, and they didn't know if it was right or not. And I want to encourage you. If you hear the voice of God, and you know that you do, do what he asks you to do. You know? Uh, you know, I know that I hear the voice of God, and I believe that you do too. There's no doubt in my mind, you are his sheep, and it says his sheep know his voice. You know, and really, in all reality, when we don't heed the urgings of God, we miss out on an opportunity to minister for the Lord and to bless people. So I want to just encourage you with that. Hallelujah. Do we have any other testimonies this morning? Hi, um, <clears throat> I feel like the Lord talked to me today, and there's been a couple times in the last few weeks where, I think he has, but I was probably kind of afraid to say anything, right? Okay, so I want to kind of play off of Tom's testimony today, and um, 
And the other gal that was here the other night that went off and just told about how good Jesus is to her and everything, right? Well, it's because he is really good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> He's awesome. And I could go off and give you my testimony, too. Years ago, how I got saved at, how old was I, 18 or something? And I mean, getting saved is a thing that happens. It's a choice you have to make, okay? It's not just you go to church and you just be churchy and religious and you try to be good and all that. Getting saved is you, the Holy Spirit comes on you and he starts to wake you up and you kind of go, God's more real than ever before it seems like. And, and he's drawing you to him, right? Because he loves you very much and he wants you to be in heaven with him forever, okay? Not the other place. And um, we just make it so complicated sometimes. I used to think I was raised a Catholic, right? And you think you have to go to church and be good and do all the stuff and work and do and run harder on the hamster wheel, right? Wrong. God is just good. Amen. And he sent Jesus because Jesus is, he took our penalty instead of us having to take it, right? We all deserve to, we're all sinners, we're born that way, and Jesus made it so simple. He took the penalty so we don't have to. We just have to go, oh, great, thanks, good, I, I want it. I want to be forgiven too. Yes. Okay, and it's a choice you have to make to give your heart and your sin to Jesus so he'll give you righteousness, holiness, all the good stuff. Just the candy of, of eternity, right? Who doesn't want that? Amen. Right? Amen. And so I just, when I see these people going off on how good God is and how he made their life so wonderful, and he did to me too, right? Who's, if, if you're here and you don't know about this good Jesus yet and you haven't met him really yet, you just really need to because <laughs> he's darn good and, and he wants to save you from your sin, okay? And it's a choice you have to make, okay? And there's all kinds of ways you can be, make, you know, choose this thing with your best friend. You can help you lead him to him. Or, but, you know, I mean, just this morning, if you feel like you're kind of confused what I'm even talking about, okay, you probably haven't made the choice yet, right? Okay, so I want to give you a chance here, too, and I just want to keep it simple, okay? But if you say this prayer, okay, be, be sincere. Say it or not. Don't be a hypocrite. If you're not ready, that's okay. The Holy Spirit's going to get on your case more. I promise you that, though, because he loves you. Okay, he's good. <laughs> the hound of heaven will come after you because he wants you. <laughs> he's just so good. And he has so much for us. You know, I could just go off on that. So I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And if you pray this prayer, tell somebody, the pastor, me, you know, whoever else, Richie, anybody in the church that you kind of trust and respect and think they know what happened. Okay, it's just not complicated. Okay, so I'm just going to say a prayer here. Put your hand on your little heart if you want this, okay? And we're just going to keep it simple, all right? Jesus, thank you so much that you came and died on the cross for me. You were perfect, so you didn't deserve to, be, to go to the cross. You didn't deserve to die for my sin, but you did it in, in my place, okay? And I received right now salvation from Jesus Christ. I ask you, Lord, to forgive my sins so I can be saved, go to heaven, get to know your goodness, begin the journey of knowing the goodness of God today. I want that. Okay? If you want that and you're serious about it, you kind of need to do something about it. You don't just, you know, hide in the dark and pretend, you know, because the devil's going to try to take this away from you. So tell somebody today that you did this, me or him or whoever, you know, you, you can trust and they'll pray more with you and 
seal it up good, and he wants you to be his kid, okay, and be blessed and loved and go to heaven. So you got to make the choice, okay? If you're not ready, that's okay. We don't want to, you know, but he's after you. <laughs> Amen. Take that back. What? I just kind of like to correct Brownie there a little bit. Some of us old guys cry because it hurts. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I guess I'll get into the word. A little bit more. It's already been gotten into. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that when this goes on because in 1 Corinthians it talks about how that when we come together one should have a psalm and one have a hymn and one have a revelation and so on and so forth. You know, it, church wasn't meant for one man to stand up here and feed everybody in a sense. You know, it's for us to join together and to share what we have and to give of the gifts that God has given us to support one another. I want to talk to you this morning about harvest. We sang a song this morning that talked about look upon the fields, they're white unto harvest. You know, and I, this scripture speaks of that. I, like always, I don't know what Connie's preparing or what Connie and Ryan are preparing for service, but this is what I want to share with you this morning. So if you want to turn with me to the fourth chapter of John, and mainly I just want to read, I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit, but it's kind of a straightforward thing, and I, I, I will kind of add some things here and there, but pretty much I'm just going to read this. So, This is the story of the woman of Samaria. And I want you just to see the harvest going on here. 
talk about it. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, that probably surprises a lot of you, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. I want to just stop there for a minute. If you know anything about the Samaritans, the Samaritans were crossbreeds. They were part Jew and part something else. The Jews looked upon them as maybe people in our day and age look upon people that aren't of pure blood. I don't know. But they, they didn't get along. But they considered themselves Jews. And they talked about Jacob's well. But uh, I, I just want you to notice something. Even Jesus grew weary at times in his journey. I know nobody here ever gets tired of working for the Lord. You know what? You need to find a well. Hallelujah. And just sit down. And it was about the sixth hour, being noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Now I don't know what that line there really has to do with this, except for maybe it was the right time because there was nobody there to question his decision to talk to her because his disciples were Jews. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I want you to notice that. Have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus hath answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then? Hast thou this living water? Art thou greater, now watch this, than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. So she considers herself a child of Jacob, a son of Jehovah, or a daughter of Jehovah, excuse me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of living, or springing up in him unto everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me of this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She, she's looking at this physically still. She doesn't want to have to keep going back and forth to the well in the heat of the day. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he that you are living with now is not thy husband. And this thou hast said as well. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. That might make you think that, wouldn't it? <laughs> Somebody begins to tell you about your life. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Believe me, get used to different. <laughs> the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. He's talking about their idolatry. Sure, they had a knowledge of God. She knew that she was a 
daughter of Jacob in a sense, but she knew nothing of the God of Israel. You worship, you know not what, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, the true worshipers, I'm hoping that's us, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Spirit seeketh, or for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This goes along with what Andy was saying. You can't work your way into heaven. It's about getting your heart involved with God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The woman said unto him, I know the Messiah comes, which is called Christ. See, she knew a little bit about the Bible or the Torah, whatever you want to call it at that time. She knew that there was a Christ coming. She had heard enough. When he has come, he will tell us all things. I would think that she'd begin to realize what she just said. You kind of just told me all things about my life, and there's one coming that's the Messiah, and when he comes, he's going to tell us all about our lives. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I'm the Christ. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou to the woman? Or why talkest thou to her, to Jesus? They had a little bit of uh, sense about them, I guess. The woman then left the water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me everything that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed to him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, saith his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I want you to notice these last five words. And to finish his work. Is that your meat? To do the will of him that sent you and to finish his work? His work. Not your work, not my work, his work. So often I think we get an idea of who God is and what we need to do to make sure that his plan comes about. But we've never really met him. We've never really asked him what his work is. So we're really not finishing his work. We're just doing ours. And it's not going anywhere, really. So I want to just challenge you with that. Make sure that the work you're doing and what you are doing is to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I send to you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. If you're waiting for some supernatural outpouring of the Spirit upon the church before you begin to harvest, you've missed it. It's already ready. It's already ready. And Jesus proves that point in this story. From verses 1 through 27, Jesus is harvesting. He's talking to a woman who needs to know about God. And he shares with her all the things that she needs to know, really in a sense, to be harvested. I want you to think about harvest a little bit. Phil could tell you probably better than I can, but if wheat does not get harvested, it becomes no good really quickly. So what's that mean to us? 
In order for your life to produce good fruit, your fruit, in a sense, has to die. Your life has to die so that God can make it into something that will sustain. If you take wheat and leave it on the head in the field and it gets rained upon and it sprouts, it will be no good. You take that wheat when it's time, harvest it, grind it into flour, do whatever you need to do. It becomes a staple that will last a long time if handled properly. And that's the way our lives are. We've got life, but that life needs to die. You know, Jesus told a story about, you know, if a seed is not put in the ground and dies, it, it remains alone. It lives by itself, and that's the way we are. If you are living your life to yourself, not to finish his work, but to do what you think you need to do, you're missing it. Your life is dying. It's dead. It's by itself. You need to plant it in Jesus and let him bring forth a great and glorious harvest within your life. But we see Jesus harvesting in the life of this woman. He begins to speak to her about who he is and about the need for her to begin to reach out with her spirit to God. That it's not about the mountain that she thinks and it's not about Jerusalem. It's about that relationship with God. And he as the Messiah has come to let her know, you know, I'm he. I'm the one that is going to bring, you know, a break in that wall between mankind and God. And you need to know God and you need to worship him out of your spirit. And she catches on to it. She goes, I'm going to go back to the city and tell everybody about what I know. The Christ has come. We sang the song and it said in there, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what our message should be. Prepare the way of the Lord. Remember what I spoke about last week, the kingdom of God? Jesus sent out his disciples and told them to go preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's going to get different, folks. It's going to get different. It should be different in our lives. We should not be the same, just like what we've heard. When we got saved... We became a different being, a different creation in Christ. We should be different. Hallelujah. So I want you to notice this. Jesus, 1 to 27, was harvesting. Verses 28 and 29, guess what? The woman went harvesting. She started talking. She just had met Jesus. You know, I don't know how long they talked. Maybe even half hour. I don't know if it took that long. But she comes to the realization that she's just met with the Messiah. And guess what? I got to go tell somebody. She runs into town and begins to tell the men, and they come. They come. And then his disciples show up and say, you know, in a sense, what are you doing? You know, you're talking with the Samaritan woman here. You know what? Aren't you hungry? Don't you want to eat? And he goes, I have bread to eat that you know not of. And like I mentioned before, my will is to do the will of him that sent me here. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then in verse 35, he goes on with harvesting and exhorts his disciples to become harvesters. Don't think, you know, that harvest is three or four months off. It's now. The fields are ripe now. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, anybody that has been here more than 15 years, is beginning to see a harvest here. <laughs> there was about 15 of us here 15 years ago. 
God is moving in our midst. And all we have to do is get in and become laborers. Hallelujah. I want you just to think about harvesting. Not like it's done now. It's a lot different than it was back in Jesus' day. They took a sickle or a scythe and cut the grain, physical labor. Now we've got combines with how wide are the headers? 40 foot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, 50? <laughs> Anybody else? 55? No. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're huge. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> That's not the way it used to be. I mean, they can go into a field now and a 40-acre field is nothing anymore. Probably back in the day of Jesus, I don't know how long it would have taken to harvest a 40-acre field with just a scythe. And then they would have to shock it. And then they would have to take it in and thrash it. That's all done in one motion now with our uh, new combines and things. But I want you to think about it. Are you looking at harvest through the eyes of now? That it's simple? All you got to do is just drive out through the field? And it's done? No. You're going to have to work in the harvest fields. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be unfruitful either. It'll be worth your labor. Hallelujah. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. So what do you get out of that? Don't faint. <laughs> stay active. Stay alive in God. You may come to a place where you need to sit down by a well and get a good drink. Do it. But we need to be harvesting, folks. We need to be harvesting. Hallelujah. And I was just thinking about that. You know, when Christ begins to harvest in our life, that old life is dead or should be dead. But he'll make something so much better out of what we were. Sure, he'll have to beat us around a little bit, get rid of the chaff. But we'll be something very special in the eyes of the Lord when he's done with us. So I want to just encourage you, get into the harvest. And first of all, let Christ harvest you. If you have not accepted Christ into your heart, you need to bury that old man, that old nature in Christ. and Let him grow something that will bring forth a hundredfold. Just multitudes upon multitudes he'll produce within your life. So again, in closing, I want you just to think about this. Get used to different. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that your spirit is so willing. But like your word said, Lord, the flesh is weak. Lord, may we realize that our need is to be in you. That, Father, in the flesh is no good thing. We need to place that old flesh upon the altar of God. Present our bodies a living sacrifice unto you, holy and acceptable to you, which is only our reasonable service. Because you gave your life for us, that's only our reasonable service that we would give our life back to you. Lord, I just pray that you would make us more than what we are. Multiply us in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh God. Plant us by the rivers of water. 
will be bring forth our fruit in due season. And even in time, Lord of drought, our fruit will remain. For our roots will be in, planted in the stream of God, in the water of life. Hallelujah, the word of God. I thank you, Lord, for being here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for touching our hearts and moving within our lives. We give you praise and adoration for it is due you. <laughs> Just go with us, Lord, I pray. Let your spirit rest upon us <laughs> to a thousand generations. You're dismissed. I want to make one announcement before everybody gets out. Fellows of the board, we have a meeting tomorrow night at 6 at Terry's. Oh. Also, I need to make an announcement. Uh, Friday at 6.30 is our worship night here. Don't forget that. <laughs>